today on the so-called Christian calendar, uh, several things come together. Of course, it's Martin Luther King Jr. weekend with all the celebrations, including ours tonight. It's also Sanctity Human Life Sunday, and it's also Orphan Care Sunday. So all three of these come together, and I admit we won't be able to do justice to any one of the three, but they do all three fit together in sort of an interesting way and intersect our text for today, which is in Ephesians chapter 6. So I'll invite you to turn with me to God's Word in Ephesians chapter 6. I want to read this scripture uh, for you today, and then we'll take our time walking through it today as we see how God has ordained relationships Uh, First to himself, be filled with the Spirit, walking out this faith that God has worked in us. And how that works itself out in relationships in chapter 5. And then into the home and family in chapter 5. And then walking itself out in the context of the community of faith. Today we come to those relationships called children and parents. Chapter 6 verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition or the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Children, it has been a long time since I was one. I was doing the math this week. I've been an adult three times longer than I was a child, and then some. So I thought for the sake of really connecting today, I would invite one of our younger pastors who's much closer to childhood than I am, (laughs) who's been one in the recent past, not ancient history like me. Uh, I've invited Pastor Jonathan Fleming to speak today, who normally preaches in the chapel at 11 o'clock every Sunday, to come and help me preach the first part of this message to our children with regard to obeying your parents and honoring your father and mother. Pastor Jonathan, take it away. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, Well, Dad. Uh, No sense in ignoring the obvious, right? For the opportunity I have this morning, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege and honor to be with you this morning. As we looked at our text, as it was just read, the, the beginning of that text where we must begin is just the very first word, which is children, because we need to identify and understand exactly who Paul is talking to and why. And so as we understand that word, children, is to, is to identify all those within their parents' care. Now, I realize that there may be some uh, discussion or debate about what it is to be under your parents' care, but ultimately and essentially this means from birth to elementary to middle into high school and maybe a little bit beyond that. And now I know uh, uh, we get to a certain age and we start to think and feel and maybe even believe, and furthermore, we may get the stamp of approval from the U.S. government that at the age of 18, you are no longer a child. You are an adult. But let me encourage you, 18-year-olds and those nearing, hold on to that title of children as long as you can. Because as long as you're considered a children, you are still under your parents' care, and that's a great place to be, let me tell you. See, from my own experience, I I began to grow, and I began to to age, and I got to a certain age at 18, and I felt, thought that I was ready to be an adult. 
And then a few years later, I graduated from college, and I thought, I felt that I was ready to be an adult. You see, what they don't tell you when you're a child is that when you're an adult, things get much more expensive. <laughs> the, the things that we need in life, the most important things, like a place to live, electricity, Wi-Fi, uh, paper towels, toilet paper, a pantry full of your favorite snacks, yeah, those things don't just magically appear. Who knew? I didn't. And so as you're aging and as you're growing, take it from me. Stay a child as long as you can. Because there's nothing worse in the whole world than spending your hard-earned money on things like paper towels. And although they're necessary and although they're needed, it's just not fun to buy paper towels for your home that you also have to pay for. So, children, trust me, those in the house and those still on the payroll, wherever you fall in, students, elementary, middle school, wherever you are on that spectrum, the command is for you. It applies to you. Obey your parents. And so that word obey, as we understand it, is, is the idea to hear and to recognize the authority of. And in this case, the, that authority is our parents. And so as we understand it, we, our parents, and they tell us to do something, that's why we always hear them say, did you hear me? How many of you heard that before? Did you hear me, what I just told you to do? You see, obeying, and, and the beginning of obey is first to listen for, and then it's to recognize, and then the most important part, the key to obedience is the doing. And so as we walk through this and we understand what obeying is, we, we also understand in contrast what disobedience is. It's the refusal to recognize and to do what the authority figure has asked you or told you to do. And just like obedience to your parents is that obedience to God is the rejection of his authority in your life. And so as we walk through this uh, relationship, as we walk through what it looks like to be obedient, and, and we see that God says, in fact, he commands us, he doesn't just suggest it or ask us, he commands us, be obedient to your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's the right thing to do. Because the authority in our lives for right now is our parents, and God designed it that way and put it in place that way for a reason. You see, God's idea for parents is it's their job to bring us into this life and to lead us through this life until we are able to care for ourselves. And so as we walk through and understand this, that's why it's good to obey your parents because your parents are acting on God's behalf. They are the authority figure. They are God's agents for good in our lives. And whether you agree with it or not, they're there to benefit you. And so as we walk through this text and we see what Paul says, for this is right, the question you may be asking yourself is, what is so right about obeying our parents? I have a few reasons for that, and, and, and we'll walk through those quickly. Reason number one is, when we obey our parents, we are obeying God. Amen. Seems relatively obvious and, and straightforward, but when we obey our parents, we're obeying this command that God has given us. It means that our relationship with our parents is tied and connected to our relationship with God. They're not independent. 
They don't operate on separate ends of the spectrum. They are together. In fact, if you want a good representation or a good indicator of one's relationship with God, just take a look at their relationship with their parents. Their ability to submit and obey their parents is probably a good idea of their ability to submit and obey God. And so we see that these two uh, are connected, the relationship with God and with our parents. And that's why it's right to obey our parents, because we're obeying God. Reason number two, as we obey at home, we learn to live in the real world. We learn to live in the real world when we obey our parents. This is how we learn to thrive. This is how we learn to function in society. I mean, think about this. There's always going to be some sort, some sort of authority figure. There's always going to be someone asking you or telling you to do something. There's always going to be someone asking or, or requiring you to, to fulfill a task or do a job. Whether it's at school or in the workplace, in the community, or one day in their own homes and families, there will always be an authority figure. And children and kids who grow up without learning the importance of obedience and obeying that authority figure have a hard time navigating life. They have a hard time with authority. They have a hard time knowing where they rank on the totem pole. And parents, while this is directed at the children, since you're in the room and you're overhearing this message to your children, there's a, a decent amount of responsibility in your court as well. To teach your children the importance, how vital it is to be obedient. And that you're not just bossing them around, but that you're trying to help them and benefit them. Teach them. And as we get to, there are roles that we play, and, and these roles are, are meant for good. And so as we move on to number three, and maybe a bit more practically, not that numbers one and two weren't practical, but this one specifically, uh, number three, our parents have more knowledge and experience, period. There was a time in my life, I say there was a time, but my wife made debate that this time has not yet ended, that I believed, I thought I knew everything. But I must admit, I don't know everything, and I didn't know everything when I was 18, especially. But what we can understand and what we can learn from that is that we don't have to learn everything. We don't have to know everything, because kids, students, children, those under their parents' care, the truth is, we are not nearly as smart as we think we are, and our parents aren't nearly as... I'll let you feel... Um, almost got away from me there. Um, I'll let you fill in the blank. But here's the thing, and I, again, I admit, I am just as guilty as this, and I have had to work on this myself for many years. But the, the truth is, you do not have to learn everything in this life by experience. Let me, let me say that again so I, I know that you heard me. You do not have to learn everything in this life by experience. No matter what you think of your parents, no matter what your idea of your parents' life and, and their upbringing, I can promise you this, your parents were not raised in a bubble, and they are not as naive as you think they are. Can I get an amen, parents? <laughs> Kids, students, children, your, your parents have knowledge and experience that will save you from a great deal of pain. They will keep you away from the things that will hurt you. They will keep you away from the, the pitfalls and the hardships that are possible. Use them as the resource they are intended to be in your life. Obedience to them is important because they just know more than we do. And that's the reality. 
Use them as the resource that they are. And number four, moving on. This one's from personal experience, but obedience just makes life easier and more enjoyable. When you live in obedience with your parents, things are just different. Things are a little more free. Your parents trust you a little more because they have a a track record of obedience. They know they can trust you. And as we walk into this relationship and understand our parents have a role to play. And no matter what it seems like, no matter what it feels like to, to us, their role is meant for our good. And just like our parents have a role in our lives to, to, to lead us and to, to give the instruction, we also have a role as the kids, as the children, to obey and to follow their lead. That's the way God designed it. That's the way God intended on it to be done. The, when both roles are played and appreciated, uh, that's when the blessings truly flow. And as a 26-year-old who may not be considered a child anymore, I can personally vouch for the blessings that come when this relationship is right. Because I may not be perfect, and my parents will probably agree that they are not perfect. I can admit to you, because we have found these roles to be in alignment, because we have tried our very best to, to, to model or to to live after the model that's been given us, I have to admit to you, I am a mama's boy. Through and through. She knows it. My dad knows it. My wife knows it. Now you all know it. But while I'm a mama's boy, I also have a best friend that's my dad. And living... Living in that relationship, when when those two things are in alignment, we are not the model. I'm not trying to tell you we are. But when children are obedient and parents lead, there's a certain unity and alignment that is unmistakable. And that leads us into our second command for the children. It's found in verse 2. It says, honor your father and mother. You see, honor is the attitude behind the action of obedience. As children, we honor our parents when we are obedient to them. Not out of a sense of obligation, although we are obligated to. It's a command. But it's also possible to obey out of reluctance. When we honor, when we introduce honor into it, we add an element of choice. When we choose to obey, that is honor. And while obedience expires as we transition into adulthood, honoring our parents doesn't expire when we turn 18, move on, and move out. And now to cover the more adult side of honoring your parents as an adult, I'm going to ask someone who has a little bit more experience as an adult, would you come back up here, Pastor Fleming? Thank you, son. Good job. I do have a little more experience, about 26 years more experience, in fact. I'm double his age. How about that? Mm -hmm. Yay me. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. Ah, boy. Honor, I love this phrase, is the attitude behind the action of obedience. And when there is alignment, there is harmony. And when there is harmony, there is fruitfulness. You see, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment, not the first first, but the first with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So, obedience is honor that promotes order and therefore harmony. And parents, I would just testify, as you've heard Jonathan say, you cannot stop what's happening to your children. (laughs) 
Most of you are thinking, and I don't want to. (laughs) Hurry along, please. Uh, We're happy for you to grow up. But the time does come, kids, when you win. You win. You will win. You will be free. Whether it's 18, 22, or 25, wherever in there. And by the way, the word children here doesn't have an end date, as Jonathan said. The very word just means to be under the care of, to be the children of, the offspring of. But in this, there is a transition from the word obedience, which is a command, to honor, which is likewise a command but expressed in different ways. Honor speaks of status, worth, or value. It means to highly esteem or to hold with respect and to pay respect. So when we become adults and we graduate to adulthood and we are free, we don't owe our parents obedience in the sense, but we always owe our parents respect. And what does that look like? Well, I would use the word generosity and suggest that there are ways that adult children can honor adult parents. Even those who have gone on to be with the Lord, we still pay honor and show respect and ascribe value to our parents. One way we do that is to be generous with our love and forgiveness. Love and forgiveness. Now, this is one that would apply whether they were our parents or not, right? Because this is what we've been commanded as people to people but all the more so in the parent-child relationship. Because, you know, we don't stop following Jesus when we step into our homes or into the homes of our aging parents. We are still Christ followers wherever we go, and the relationships that are defined by our faith in Christ apply in home and family. And yes, there are some emotional attachments. We feel one way with regard to love and forgiveness to someone we barely know versus someone we know pretty well. Versus someone we know really well, and then someone like our parents. There's different levels of emotional attachments there that sometimes make it maybe a little easier, a little harder to show love and forgiveness as honor. But I want to remind you that we love because we were first loved, that we forgive because we've been forgiven. And to the measure where we love, we reflect our love for God and a reflection of His love to others. Even with those family deep ties and emotions, and the deeper the tie, the stronger, the more difficult perhaps, the more necessary to depend on the Holy Spirit and to demonstrate the grace of the Holy Spirit in these relationships. As Jonathan suggested, and I will affirm and agree, Beverly and I are not perfect parents, but we're in good company because there are no perfect parents. None. Zero. God is the only perfect father that we can look to. The rest of us are just poor reflections, trying to be better, trying to do our best. And since we don't have perfect parents, we must choose by way of honor to extend the grace of love and forgiveness, even if what we've received from that parent doesn't merit that love and forgiveness. Even if they don't qualify for it, even if their behavior was less than honorable, Our Christian responsibility and the responsibility of a child is to honor his or her parents. And in so doing, we obey the Lord and we honor the Lord because those two are so connected together. And I would suggest that you might think, well, my honor and my forgiveness and my love to my parents won't benefit me. And I don't really want to benefit them. Let me see if I can turn that for you. Your love and forgiveness may not benefit your parents, but it will most certainly benefit you. It most certainly will bless you. Because I'm telling you right now, it takes a lot of effort and energy to hold on to a grudge. 
I mean, this exercise is a pretty good one. If you just ball your fist up and squeeze it as tight as you can, you can only hold it that way for a season. And then your fingers will start to beg for the free flow of oxygen and the restoration of life. And once you let it go, you'll feel that sense of release and the life flow being restored. And there's a lot there about how we deal with each other. It's hard to hold on to a grudge. You've got to pay attention to it. You've got to think about it all the time. You've got to make sure you never slip up and smile at the wrong time or say a nice or good word at the wrong time because you don't want to give the impression that you've forgiven that person. It's so much energy and effort to hold a grudge. So the benefit will be to let it go. And the blessing will be in that very expression of honor for you to love and forgive your parent generously no matter who they are or what kind of parent they were. To honor is to be generous with love and forgiveness. But secondly, I would suggest to honor is to be generous with our time and attention. Time and attention, which is a way of of honoring our parents. I mean, to ignore our parents is to dishonor them, let's be honest. But if honor is value and time is money, then the gift of our time is a valuable way to honor our parents. And how much time and attention Well, if we ask our parents as adults, they would typically say, a little more, please. (laughs) They would always like a little more, perhaps, than maybe we can give them. So it's important as adult children of aging parents to have a conversation about expectations and to be generous to give a realistic amount of time and attention to our parents. I would suggest, I know Jonathan was speaking primarily to our children and students, but let me say something to you children and students. If you want to bless and honor your parents Call them. Text them. Go old school and write them a note or a card or a letter. When you ignore your parents unintentionally, you dishonor them. And grown parents, adults who have older parents, waiting for that phone to ring when there's a long time in between. Honor your parents with your time and attention. Zero time, zero attention is dishonor. Let me suggest a third as we move on. Service and support. That's how we honor. To be generous with our service and support. I mean, to neglect the needs of our parents is to dishonor them. And we all want our parents to be healthy, to be financially secure, so they can take care of themselves and meet their own needs. And they want that too. They really do. But if and when the time should come, if it ever comes that they need help changing a light bulb or paying a light bill, it's an honor to meet that need. And it is an honor to them to have that need met. And you won't need to wait to be asked. You you shouldn't wait to be asked because your parents, if you're an adult like me and your parents are older, they're accustomed to helping you and to serving you and to be a blessing to you. They're not accustomed to asking you for help or receiving help from you. So you'll just need to be intentional and persistent and consistent. And let it be what it is for you to them an honor. Say this to your parent. If you say, Mom, can I do this for you? Or Dad, can I meet this need for you? They're going to say, No, we're okay. You have needs of your own. You have responsibility. Then say, I want to do this. Inevitably, my mother, when Beverly and I are trying to bless her or her parents, they will say, You don't have to do that. And we say, We know. We want to do this. It'd be a blessing for us to be able to do this. We'll, we'll feel honored and we'll feel like we're honoring you if you'll let us meet this need or, or bless you in this way. 
That's just a way to show honor is to give, because honor is value. When you give of yourself, when you give of your resources, when you give of your time and attention, when you give service and meet needs, you're honoring your parents in that way. To neglect a parent is to dishonor. To meet those needs is to show honor. And I know you know this is important because this is not a suggestion. Verse 2, honor your mother and father. Verse 3, that it may go well with you. That the quality and the quantity of your life will be impacted by the measure with which you obey your parents as children and honor your parents as adults. The two are indeed connected because God has put things in order and where there is order, there is fruitfulness. Where there is chaos, there is pain. That it may go well with you, meaning there is a blessing attached to this for all of us who choose to honor God by honoring and obeying our parents. And I must say to our students, to our children, and to our young adults, even to those who are pushing on up in there as I am, you can't possibly imagine for yourself a better life than the God has for you, who created you. You can't pick a better way of living. You can't find a better path forward than the life God has for you. So while everything in you may say reject and resist and don't do it, let me just tell you the pull you feel is the pull toward blessing because where there is a commandment, there is a blessing attached for obedience. That it may go well with you, there is the blessing of obedience. If you want a truly blessed life, I must say, live the life God has for you and live it God's way. Children, obey your parents. Honor them. This is right. There's a blessing attached. But verse 4, let's take this to another place. Fathers. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Fathers, specifically, with the responsibility to lead at home. And we're not excusing dad from his duties, but we should include mom and hers. With this instruction applying to both, especially if mom's playing the role of a father, which we have right here in our church, these instructions are to parents, as it were, specifically to fathers and also mothers. Don't provoke your children. Don't provoke your children to anger, that is to agitate or to irritate or to provoke intense anger in a child. Now, we all know who have raised children that children have a way of provoking intense anger in the parents. We know this. But the Bible says parents don't provoke intense anger in your child. This is the point. There should always be at least one adult in a parent-child relationship. There should always be at least one adult in a parent-child relationship. Parents shouldn't behave like children. I know the whole fire with fire thing and Boy, if you go here, I'm going here. But let me just tell you something. This puts the parents in the driver's seat with the responsibility to control the flow of intensity of anger and resentment and bitterness. Don't create bitterness in your children. This anger is an ongoing pattern of treatment that gradually builds up from a deep-seated anger and ultimately resentment that boils over or spills over in outward hostility. Whenever you see or hear a child explode or to demonstrate hostility towards a parent. And we tend to see that and go, oh my goodness, where did that come from? Sometimes a parent will have that experience and say, oh my goodness, where did that come from? Let me tell you where that comes from. 
It comes from packing and packing and packing and packing until finally it explodes. Our parenting can determine whether or not we build up in our children resentment and hostility towards us. And the Bible says, "Don't be careful not to do that. Pastor, what if I'm doing that? How would I know? Well, I'm sure if you think about it, Holy Spirit might lead you to some conclusions, but let me offer some suggestions. Hovering and smothering parenting, meaning overly restrictive and controlling. And sometimes that's from a really good heart and with all the best intentions to protect. But what ends up happening is a child begins to resent being controlled. Smothering and hovering causes Resentment. Unengaged and disengaged parents will do it too. The other extreme. Because unmet needs have consequences. And they're not just in the physical. They're also in the emotional and the spiritual. When we disengage as a parent, we create a void or a vacuum. And oftentimes that is filled with resentment. And with bitterness. I'll tell you a third possibility. Unrealistic expectations. A driving and demanding parent for whom enough is never enough, good is never good enough, provokes intense anger. A conditional manipulative love related to that, meaning that we use love as a reward. And we attach value and worth of our children to their performance. We would never say it, we would never admit it, we may not even recognize when we're doing it, but it's clear to our children that they are loved more when they perform better or less when they fail. That creates a sense of intense anger and resentment built up over time. I'll tell you a fifth one that'll do it too. Comparing one child to another and showing favoritism is a so slow, subtle way of packing down resentment that someday spills over in anger. It's not an exhaustive list by no means. There are lots of ways to provoke a child. We ought to be careful as parents to see what we are doing is putting the good things in our children to produce the good things that come out as adults. And we're sowing in their lives for a harvest someday, every day. Instead of provoking them to wrath, bring them up in the discipline, the Bible says. Uh, This is a bringing up, a a raising up to to maturity, literally. It means to, to bring one up to maturity. It's an active and systematic and intentional process. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not passive parenting. It's not passive parenting. Kids shouldn't raise themselves up. Kids can't bring themselves up to maturity. That's not how this is supposed to work. And for every parent I've heard with a million hits on YouTube or some other social media platform that celebrates their generosity and letting their child find their own way to be who they want to be, to find their true identity in themselves. Yeah, I have a garden in my backyard. I wish you'd come take a look at it. It's a beautiful garden, but, but for me, I just wanted to let that garden find its own way. I wanted that garden to to really feel deep down what it should be and to become whatever it dreamed to be. And so I just let it go and let it raise itself. You got any idea what my garden looks like? Passive parenting does not result in healthy, well-adjusted, 
balanced and certainly not godly children who become adults. Passive parenting is not biblical. God gives us children with the stewardship to shape their hearts and their character and their lives for their future. That's our job. That's our job. We are to bring them up to maturity. We're to invest in them. We're not to step back and let the media or the school or their peers raise them. No, that's our job. We're not supposed to let their devices raise them. That's our job. To bring them up, all the way up to maturity. And I tell you, we got to pay attention to this because this generation we have right now, many of you sitting in the room listening, you are the first generation that doesn't need an adult to get information. You don't need an adult. This is the first generation that can broadcast their every thought or emotion immediately in real time without any second thought or filter. And unfortunately, those thoughts get memorialized in all of eternity on social media. Kids aren't prepared to handle the megaphone in their hand. This is the first generation that has external stimuli at their fingertips 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. That's socially connected all the time but experiencing isolation because their connection is virtual. And this is the first generation we have deep concerns about the development of the soft skills of communication. Because you do not communicate in the same way face-to-face, interrelationally or personally the way you do with your thumbs or your fingers. With the facial expressions and the immediate response and the dynamics and the flow of a conversation and communication, what we're teaching our kids is how to speak in sound bites from a distance and all on a device. This is the first generation that will learn more from a portable device than it will from a classroom. Parents, we must engage. Parents, we have got to be engaged and involved because it's our responsibility to bring them all the way up to maturity. We've shared this with you before. I'll just hit it quickly. The journey of transition that teaches us as parents how we're supposed to bring our children up to maturity from the role of caretaker in the early days Where while we're always teaching and praying for them, we are providing and protecting them in this stage. But as they grow, we transition as parents and take on more of the cop role. Where along with teaching and praying, we are correcting and disciplining and shaping very intentionally. Then we transition in through the teenage years to the coach role where we are modeling and encouraging good behavior. And finally in the consultant road when they... When the role, when they turn that adult years, we're listening then and we're advising then, but we are not disengaged then. We are not uninterested then. Parents of Christian kids and Christian parents, we don't ever come to the place where we say, whew, got it done, good, gone, you're gone, I'm done. How many of you know parenting is a life sentence? Mm-hmm. And it should be. It should be. I'll never forget, and sadly he probably won't either, I scarred him for life. My girls, too. First Baptist Church, Daytona Beach, Sunday morning, I was standing here preaching. They were sitting there in a group of students. And I was talking about something like this, and I called his name just to make a point. And I said, Jonathan, I just want you to know that your mom and I are going to do the best we can to raise you in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We are. Someday you're going to turn 18 or 21. You're going to make big boy decisions because you'll be an adult, and that's your right. But I just want you to know something. I want you to hear something from me. 
If those decisions take you away from God down some long prodigal road, I want you to look in your rearview mirror and notice something. I'm coming after you. His eyes are about that big around. Every other teenager in the room was looking at him. Kids were looking at him. Poor kid. But you know what I'm saying? I'm saying what a parent would say, should say, is I will never give up on you. I will never just let you go. You will never be finished with me. I'm your mother and your father. I'm, I'm going to be a part of bringing you to maturity for the rest of my life. And for the rest of yours, if God gives me time. And I'll tell you this, we are to bring them maturity. But if you read this particular verse, you'll notice it's not just physical maturity or emotional maturity. It's spiritual maturity. Bring them up in the discipline and the instruction, the discipline, the nurture, the admonition, the way of the Lord. Bring them to spiritual maturity. And I bring us to a close with this very important point. Like preachers sometimes say, if you haven't heard anything else that's been said, listen now. That the goal and the role of parenting isn't to raise adults. It's not to get them up through childhood and teenage years and off the books. The goal of Christian parenting is to raise Christian people. Your kid's spiritual growth and maturity, your kid's spiritual identity in Christ is the number one goal of Christian parenting. It's why the scripture says raise them up in this way. Not just any way. Proverbs 22 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. We have no promise or guarantee if we let them do whatever they want, whenever they want, that they're someday going to come back around. You're sending them off into oblivion, spiritually speaking, but raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord so they know the way to go, so they find the way they should go according to God's will for them. That's the priority of Christian parenting. And why in the world, if you think about it, would a Christian parent defer the raising of their child physically or emotionally or mentally to a school or to the internet or to their peer group any more than a Christian parent would trust their child's spiritual growth and development to a church? No amens? That confused you, did it? But pastor, aren't we supposed to bring our kids to church? Yeah, just bring them with you. Stay here, right? Because let me just tell you something. You haven't heard this before. We make a big deal of this around here. The church or your child's life group teacher or your age group minister, your student pastor, your kid's pastor is not the primary disciple maker in your home. You are. Mom and dad, you are. And we're not passing the buck here except to the right person which says we exist as a church to create the kind of environment where we can disciple adults to disciple their children. But we get your kids an hour or two a week or an hour or two a month, sadly, in some cases. you got them all day, every day, except when you drop them off down at the schoolhouse. They're yours to shepherd. Their hearts are yours to shape. Their minds are yours to fill with the truths of God's Word and its principles. Because while they come to church and learn a few things, they go home and see a lot more. So let me bring this to a close as I challenge you and encourage you parents to be the primary disciple maker in your home. Because you are the real influencer in your child's life. And we want to equip you and help you do that. In fact, today we have a booth set up in the foyer behind you with our children's ministry and student ministry team that have tons of materials and resources to equip you as parents to be the primary disciple maker in your home and the discipler of your children. Which continues beyond the time where they're on your payroll Because you still have a relationship and therefore influence to use. Never give up on your kids. Never let them go. Stay in the fight. No, you can't control them. 
But God has given you influence to use for their good and also for his glory. So let me leave you these two points of application. Number one, take your children to church with you. I'm preaching to the choir, I know. You're in church, I get it. Stay in church. Don't make church an optional activity when there's nothing else on the schedule and you haven't had too busy of a week and it's a good time to get around to going. You know, the average attendance patterns in America today are falling. Getting now somewhere around 60%, which means that the average Christian attends church who attends church regularly slightly more than twice a month. Just over twice, not quite three times a month. So there are a lot of other competing events and activities that are taking families. I just want to say something to you. That says something to your children. When church is a convenience or an opportunity or an option you may choose, I want to urge you to make church a commitment that your whole family makes and make it together. There's a reason we have paid the price to stretch into multi-generational worship. Because we need moms and dads to be fully engaged in the discipleship of their children. And we need the children to see mom and dad fully engaged in worship and service to the Lord. This is a family activity. And you don't have to sit in the same section or in seats next to each other. We can have kids sit down. It's great. But we're on this journey together. We are committed together. And we are growing together. Come to church as a family together. And let me suggest to you, mom and dad, how important this is. It's not just the material that is learned here or shared here, but the relationships that are made here are so critical to your child's future. We say this to students all the time. I've found it to be true. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I can tell you the kind of friends your kids can make out there in the world or online and even at school. I can tell you where to find some solid Christian friends that will walk with your kids through life. You're going to find them at church. Come to church, number one, and number two, take your church home with you when you go and practice it all week. We sometimes think of Sunday being game day. But you know what Monday through Saturday is? Practice. So take home what you learn at church and put it into practice every week. Continue the instruction. Continue the nurture. Continue the discipline. Find ways to honor the Lord and to serve the Lord. Find ways to grow together as a family in your faith. Kids, you'll honor your parents if they get your full support on anything they want to do that's Christ-like or or honoring of the Lord. And parents, your kids need you to lead the way when it comes to spiritual growth in your home. And I'll say this last thing to parents, and you know this to be true. You will multiply what you model, so model what you want to multiply. We're going to always do the best we can up here and in those life groups, and our volunteer leaders are amazing. But you won't find a single one of them that will tell you that you can't do a far better job in your own home with your own kids and their own future. We're here to help you be the best you can be as moms and dads. And kids, we want you to grow in a way that is obedient to your parents and honoring of them, but then ultimately honoring of the Lord. Boy, where there is order... There is fruitfulness, and this is the life God has given us to live. Would you bow with me as we prepare to close? And I want to ask you if you would just to stay where you are. I want to give folks just a moment to think and to pray. And this moment could be the most important moment in someone's life sitting near you. Don't break the moment. 
But could we all just bow and pray right now, be very still and very careful, to ask the Lord, Lord, what in this would you have me do with this? What are you saying to me about my children? Lord, what are you saying about my parents? What are you saying about you? Without doubt, there are relationships that could be helped, benefited, blessed. Yours, mine, ours. If we would just take God's word and do it, would you do it? So just say to the Lord, Lord, here's what I hear you saying to me. Here's what I sense and feel I need to do. And Lord, I want to ask you to help me do it. And I want to commit obedience to you. If you're a child, I commit to being obedient to my parents in order to be obedient to God. If you're an adult, I commit to honor my parents even though I don't have to obey them. I want to honor them. Even if their actions were dishonorable or less than honorable. As I honor you, Lord, I will honor my parents. Maybe that means forgiveness. The extension of love, time, attention, service, help. What do you need to do to honor your parents? If you do it, you'll be honoring the Lord. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.